Welcome to Consultant 360. Today we'll be discussing the multidisciplinary approach to the management of comorbidities in type 2 diabetes, including cardiovascular disease, chronic kidney disease, congestive heart failure, as well as fatty liver disease, the new terminology being metabolic associated fatty liver disease, but better known as NAFTL. I'm Dr. Carol Weisham. I'm an endocrinologist at MultiCare Rockwood Clinic in Spokane, Washington. I'm joined by my two esteemed colleagues, Dr. Eugene Wright and Ms. Hope Warshaw. I'd like you to introduce yourselves and define your role in managing uh, patients and the comorbidities and diabetes. Uh, Gene? My name is Gene Wright. I'm an internist, currently serve as the medical director for performance improvement at the South Piedmont Area Health Education Center. As a primary care clinician, we see patients with diabetes and many of the associated comorbidities. So in many respects, we find ourselves being the multi-specialists in the care of these patients. Thank you, and Hope? Uh, so I am by background a registered dietitian and I am a certified diabetes care and education specialist. And um, today I actually do more in the realm of device training, and do a lot of translational writing for both consumers and healthcare professionals. Yes, and I'm an endocrinologist. I take care of primarily patients with type 1 and type 2 diabetes and have been increasingly interested in how we manage, screen, um, and take care of our patients uh, with diabetes and understanding all of their comorbidities. So this is a very important topic for my personal uh, interest. So um, what we're going to be reviewing today um, are just discussions of, from both uh, Jean and Hope on how they uh, screen and help to manage the, some of these comorbidities we've talked about. But importantly, we are going to um, really emphasize some of the revisions to the most recent ADA standards of care as it relates to some of the goals and treatment. So um, I hope that we uh, can emphasize and, and familiarize the audience with these new goals. So Jean, um, starting with you, can you uh, recommend how uh, primary care providers might screen for some of these comorbidities? No, absolutely. What I've learned and what I do is now that when I see one condition, I start to look for the others. So when you see diabetes, we need to look for chronic kidney disease, look for cardiovascular disease, especially congestive heart failure in the presence of chronic kidney disease. And now we know that patients with uh, diabetes and or obesity are at risk for metabolic associated fatty liver disease. Thank you. And uh, what about the your consideration of the four pillars of care for helping to decrease complications of diabetes. Well, this is an area that is evolving as well. We've often thought about just the, the old ABCs, if you will, of uh, care and management of patients with diabetes, with the A1C, blood pressure, and cholesterol or lipids. Now we've added a fourth pillar to that, and these are agents of cardiovascular and kidney benefit on top of a foundation of lifestyle modification and diabetes education. And that's very important that we talk about that foundation of the lifestyle modification and diabetes education. So the most recent uh, standards of care 
in the recommendations for hyperglycemia have elevated obesity as a potential target and a goal for therapy. Can you speak to the underlying reason for that? Certainly. The management of obesity is a goal because obesity is associated with and without diabetes with many of these excess risks for cardiovascular disease, dyslipidemia, chronic kidney disease, and metabolic-associated fatty liver disease. All of these risks are increased in the presence of diabetes. Therefore, management of obesity with diabetes is a primary goal. Great. Thank you. And Hope, uh, Jean talked about the importance of the foundation of lifestyle management and diabetes education upon which these other choices are made. Would you please review your view of what is important in lifestyle management and the kind of education that is needed in, in our patients with diabetes? Certainly. So I think we, we have really evolved over the years with really what is formally called medical nutrition therapy for diabetes. Uh, there is a lot more meeting people where they are, getting a sense of what they're eating, where are they accessing food, what changes are they willing to, to make. Um, so making helping people make those small changes. And we also need to talk um, because I don't think people get nearly enough conversation about physical activity. And I would say dietitians and other certified diabetes care and education specialists are fully competent at covering that topic area. Again, what goals are you able and willing to set um, with your exercise. I mean, we know um, actually the ADA standards of care talk about four types of, of activity, aerobic and decreasing sedentary activity, which could be a really good place to start with someone doing some resistance training. So there's really multiple types of activity. I think we can make that fairly simple. Um, one point I I want to make that I think is very relevant to uh, this four pillar piece that we're, we're talking about here that ADA published, I think the first time in 2022, is really the two categories of pharmacological agents that have become available over the, the last few years of the SGLT2 inhibitors and then our GLP-1 and GLP-1 combo meds, they're really allowing conversations that we really never were able to have before to talk about how can we help you lower your risk of chronic kidney disease? How can we help you lower your weight? How can we help you with, you know, maybe minimizing uh, NAFTL? I haven't quite gotten the, the new language. But, um, I mean, really, to me, the, the obesity conversation today, which, I mean, let's face it, what, 80 plus percent of people with prediabetes and type 2 diabetes um, have overweight or obesity. 
but there, there's a valuable conversation that we can have and amazing medications. So we really need to break down that construct of it's lifestyle. And if you don't succeed with lifestyle, then um, perhaps enter medication and then perhaps enter the concept of metabolic surgery. Um, I think those those conversations really are intermingling. And I think dietitians and other CDSs can have that conversation as well as endocrinologists and primary care providers. Actually, that leads quite well into my next question. Uh, in the ADA standards of care, they have what they've termed the decision cycle for type two diabetes. Can you summarize what that means in clinical practice? Is that to me? Mm -hmm. Yes, sure. I'm sorry. Oh. Um, so, um, yep, I have that page opened in the ADA standards of care. Um, so at the center of that decision cycle, which is specific to type 2 diabetes management, they talk about two goals of care. Uh, one being prevention of complications, and the other is, interestingly, optimize quality of life. And I think that is where the dialogue between provider and person with diabetes is so central because each person defines their quality of life and what quality of life means to them. Um, you know, I think we have often heard as clinicians, well, one thing I wanna be able to do is get on the floor and play with my grandchildren. I mean, that seems to be a common theme. Um, so, um, you know, for some people, it might be taking fewer medications. Um, so it those are really the two goals of care in this decision cycle. That's very good. And it is obviously a complicated conversation, but involves, you know, discussion with the patient, making a, a mutual decision and then evaluating the outcomes from that and then returning to the beginning, having the conversation so that it is an ongoing cycle of care. As we know, my favorite saying is that we're talking about a marathon, not a sprint, and that uh, we're taking care of patients over decades, hopefully, and um, we need to be prepared for ongoing discussions about how medications or lifestyle are fitting into patients' um, own lives. Um, so, Jean, let's talk about the pharmacologic therapies for cardiorenal protection. You know, this is another interesting area because we know that the association between diabetes and cardiovascular disease, for instance, is a great one. And it has been suggested uh, in the past that diabetes may be a cardiovascular disease manifest by dysglycemia. The same could be said for chronic kidney disease. So this really speaks to the interconnectedness of the cardiorenal and metabolic systems. So when we start thinking about reducing risks for cardiorenal uh, disease progression or cardiorenal protection, we should choose therapies that will benefit not just lowering glucose, but these other conditions. So in the case that we've talked about earlier with chronic kidney disease, we have very good evidence that the SGLT2 inhibitors have a very profound effect on reducing the risk for chronic kidney disease progression. Similar for atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, we can see significant improvement in the reduction of the risk for with the uh, GLP-1 receptor agonists. So we need to meet, choose wisely 
particularly looking to prevent or significantly delay the onset of complications. That's great. Thank you. So Hope, uh, there are in the newest ADA standards of care, new goals for the management of hypertension. Can you review those? Sure. I think the goal this year in 2023 was to harmonize the uh, the hypertension goal or cut point, if you will, to define hypertension between some of the other uh, cardiology organizations. And it is 130 over 80. Yes, I think that's correct. And that's an important message. It's gone back and forth. It used to be less than 130 over 80. We didn't feel like we had the data. So I was actually the chair of the of the practice committee and the ADA when we changed it back to less than 140 over 90. And indeed, over time, there's been more and more studies to support that less than 130 over 80. So yeah, thank you, Hope. And Jean, how about the new targets to reduce LDL? These are the ones that I think most people are, are kind of struggling with. So can you review those? So what I'll do, Carol, I'm gonna hit three highlights of that, I think. The first one is the the guidelines would recommend in people with diabetes ages 40 to 75 without atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease or ASCVD, moderate intensity statin in addition to lifestyle. The second point that I'd like to make in people with diabetes ages 40 to 75 with atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease risk factors, high intensity statin in addition to lifestyle. The goal for this would be to reduce the LDL by 50% from baseline and to a target LDL goal of less than 70 milligrams per deciliter. Now, the third one would be in people with diabetes and established atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, high intensity statin treatment with a goal to reduce the LDL by 50% with a target of less than 55 milligrams per deciliter. And if this is not achieved with a statin alone, you might think about adding another agent such as a ezetimide or uh, PCKS9 uh, inhibitor. Yeah, thank you. And there is um, newer agents like bempadoic acid that is available as well if if patients are unable to tolerate or uh, attain the other medications. All right, well, thank you both for this very interesting conversation. I'd like to uh, ask you both if you have any take-home messages you'd like to Uh, provide for the uh, audience. I'll start with Hope. So as we're talking, uh, I'm just sitting here reflecting. I think sometimes we have to start with asking a person with diabetes who's sitting in front of us, what do they know about diabetes? And, And what do they know about how diabetes is managed? Because I think, you know, the three of us have been around diabetes for a long time. And the, the, the concepts that a person may have, well, I mean, we can't expect them to have been, you know, updated on all of these many changes. Um, but I, I think there's some really good news messages that we can give people today about management, about jumping on good tight glycemic management early and avoiding complications. And even the message of 
really for that person with type two diabetes, the cardiovascular disease message is a really key message. And yet I think, you know, what people hear in sort of the outside world still is, oh, you're at risk of losing your eyesight and oh, you're at risk of being on renal dialysis. And so just sort of making sure that, that people understand current general concepts of diabetes care. Thank you. And Jean? My take-home point would be diabetes is a multi-morbid condition that requires one, early risk assessment, two, aggressive treatment, and three, ongoing multidisciplinary management for the best results. Yes, it truly does take a village. Well, thank you again, both for the uh, very interesting conversation today and thank the audience for tuning into today's video.